preaching ministry on this Sunday morning. And I'd like to, to be a pastor. The uh, reality of, of what's going on is not lost on me. And while I know many of you are absolutely sick and tired of hearing about it, seeing about it, talking about it, I do feel that God has spoke to me and I want to just talk to you. I want to just kind of ask this question, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? I, um, I will say that moving forward, we're probably not going to sing Breathe on Me in the next foreseeable future. Decided that's out of the question. We may sing more songs like Are You Washed and Cleansed and Give Us Clean Hands and things like that. We might do that. But we understand the reality. And uh, we put out a, a, a email and a, a Facebook message yesterday kind of letting you know what we're going to do as a, as a church and, and if you will even as a business. But there is a reality in what we are dealing with. And, and the reality is as of 6.30 this morning, March 15, 2020, there's 152,428 confirmed cases of what they call COVID-19 or corona. According to 6.30 this morning, there's 5,720 people that have succumbed to that. There's 141 territories, countries, or areas that have cases. That's the reality. Again, just to put it into perspective, and, and I want you to listen very carefully. This is what I'm about to say is in no way to diminish what is currently happening. Okay? So I want everybody to understand that and get out of the way. But just to put it into a global perspective, from April the 12th, 2009 to April the 10th, 2010, the CDC estimated that there were 60.8 million cases of what we called the H1N1 virus. During that time, there were 274,304 hospitalizations and there were 12,426 deaths in the United States due to that virus. Additionally, the CDC estimated that worldwide, somewhere, and they, it's hard to put a number on it, in fact, they give a range, somewhere between 150,000 to 575,000 people died from the H1N virus during that first year it circulated. The only reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is not to diminish what is happening now, and there's plenty of, 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 of that on Facebook and social media, but I just want to put into context the current state of what the world and, and, and where we are now. I will tell you that I'm pretty confident that there were plenty of mistakes made during the H1N1 uh, pandemic. Some of what you're seeing now today is because of lessons learned from that, and and. But, but the thing that, that I see, and again, this is not a, uh, 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 saying it's right or wrong. I'm, I, I mean that sincerely. But during the time of H1N1, there wasn't this massive collective upheaval that is going on now. But here's the reality of it. This is where we are today. The reality is there's an outbreak. The reality is in Missouri... In St. Louis County, in St. Charles County, a state of emergency has been declared. I said it in our, our, our letter that went out. Primarily, it's, it's not for, to, to, to bring you to fear. It's mainly a, a way of, of freeing up political funds, and, and there's certain things that happen when they make that designation that allows them to move and, and, and do quickly. But 
But yet I also recognize that in uh, Louisiana, state of Louisiana, they put some bans on uh, public gatherings that include religious services. In the state of Indiana, there is a, a band that goes on. I don't know if it's 100 people or 200 people, 250 people, I'm not for sure, but uh, it does apply to religious services. Uh, I believe it's Wisconsin, the same place. Uh, that's the reality where we are. The reality is this. I understand, and I'm going on record. This is being recorded. This is uh, uh, being disseminated, but I'm going on record. I understand that we have those in our congregation and those in the midst, those in our, in our families, those in our communities that, that have weakened immune systems. And, and we understand if someone says, in light of the current situation, I, I don't feel comfortable to, to be around crowds. I don't feel comfortable. We understand that that is the reality. And so we'll continue to live stream our services. We'll continue to have our online giving. We're going to do everything we can for the current reality. That being said, there is also going on at the same time a massive amount of hype, hysteria, and fear. Now, a lot of that is due to 24-hour media coverage and social media coverage. I don't know, I, I, I tried to think about it today and tried to put some ages on, on our congregation and maybe some of you uh, go back this far. I, I don't know. And, and so maybe by show of hands, did any of, any of our members here today, did you live through uh, any of World War I and the rationing tickets or anything of that nature? Or are we kind of past that? So there are those in World War I, uh, you, you talk about not having toilet paper on the shelves and not having hand sanitizer. I've talked to my grandparents who lived through World War I and the rationing and, and you were given a ration book and you could only get what that ration book allowed you to have. I believe it was 1916, maybe 1918, the Spanish influenza hit uh, uh, our world and you can go look up and see what all it happened. But can you imagine if, if uh, any of those moments, the Spanish, can you imagine the plague back in, in, in the Middle Ages? Can you imagine if it had CNN playing 24 hours a day and social media? It would blow my mind. Just to give you an idea of, of, of that, that we're not in this, this is not the first time that this has happened. I'd like to just read you something that Martin Luther uh, wrote, we're not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, back during the plague. This was his response to the black plague that, that had, and he said this. You can find it in the annotated Luther, volume number four, the pastoral writings on page 404. He quoted, or I quote from him rather, I shall ask God to mercifully protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict or pollute others and so cause their death by result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he's expected of me and so I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. But watch what he says here. However, if my neighbor needs me, I shall not avoid place or person but shall go freely as stated above See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it's neither brash nor foolhardy nor does not tempt God. That's a pretty good statement. 
I recognize the reality. I'm probably not going to go lick doorknobs right now. I'm not going to go travel to Italy or China at this current place. My wife and I were scheduled to go to Madagascar for, uh, and I've told you all this, scheduled to go to Madagascar for children's crusades. And fortunately, due to the upheaval and things of that nature, that trip has been put on hold. So we're going to be smart in it. But it does not take the place of the church being the church and you and I being Christians and being neighbors. And so then this fear, I told you a little bit about the reality, but let me talk to you about the fear that grips our church and grips our, our communities and grips our world today. I, I could take you to Luke chapter 21, uh, 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 rather, rather um, let me back that up, not Luke 21, uh, Luke chapter 10, and if you can turn there, I would invite you to do so, but instead of, but before I do that, I want to tell you about a, a museum that was having problems with people touching their displays, and they had tried everything. They had put do not touch signs everywhere. Nothing happened. They kept touching them, soiling them, priceless furniture and art, and so finally, one of the, the museum employees had a clever idea, and he replaced the sign with, please wash your hands after touching and nobody touched it anymore. So listen to me before I jump into the fear. And let me just tell you this. Fear can be a healthy thing. I fear gravity. It, it, it causes me not to go up to, you know, a high building, a precipice. And, and because I know what gravity can do and because I fear gravity, I'm not going to just jump off an 18-story building and impress my luck. Fear can be healthy. But there is a moment in which fear becomes a, a very dangerous thing. Fear says, so, so healthy fear says, wash your hands. By the way, just I know everybody said it on social media too, but let me just help you out. If you suddenly have determined that now, March the 15th, 2020, is when you ought to start washing your hands, you have a serious problem. If it's just now that you discovered sneeze in your hand and blow your nose, you got an issue. But fear tells us, and, and healthy fear and understanding says, wash our hands. Stay home if you're sick. Don't go to Italy or China. Don't lick doorknobs, whatever it might be. That's what healthy fear is. But fear can be bad, and fear should never be allowed to control our lives. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet. Later on, you find out they had a brother named Lazarus. I'm going to skip through parts of this. I just want to set the stage that it was there that a relationship and a connection was made between Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus. Now, we could argue whether or not they knew he was the Messiah. We could argue whether or not they knew precisely that he was God manifest in the flesh. But the thing is, is that after this relationship was, was started and after they connected with him and knew him and talked with him and communed with him, Lazarus got sick. Jesus wasn't there. Lazarus, they came and said, Jesus, please hurry. Lazarus, your friend, our brother, he's, he's sick, he's dying, and we don't know how long he's going to last, and, and, and please come. And so Jesus took his time, 
waited a little bit of time and came. But finally, when they got there, they found that Lazarus was dead. It is that they began to, to understand that he was dead for four days. He was already in the tomb. Mary and Martha, and again, I'm kind of jumping and paraphrasing, but Mary and Martha come, both, both singly, Martha first. And, and she makes the statement, she says, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Mary, the same thing, weeping, probably beating her, her chest. I, I, I've had a moment, one, one of the, the most surreal moments in my life, and in, in, in being a police chaplain, one of the things we handle a lot are, are death calls and death notifications. But again, in today's rapid dissemination of information when it comes to social media, I've only had to one time in my 14 years of being a, a police chaplain, I've only had to one time tell someone and, that, and, and they, the first they heard of it was from me. I've only had to do that one time. Most of the time, they've already heard it from somebody. Someone texted somebody, God forbid, Facebook. But I remember knocking on the door of a lady, tell her that her, her 16 or 17-year-old son had died in a car accident. That moment, all protocols go out the window. She put her arms around me, and she beat the back of my, my, my uh, back as she cried, no, no. I can imagine that that's what Martha and Mary went through connected to Jesus but yet they were they were weeping but here is what happened Mar Mary and Martha had become blinded by fear the fear is not to make fun of them I in fact I would tell you that nowhere in the Bible does it tell me that Mary and Martha were married my assumption thus becomes that Mary and Martha uh, either were widowers or had never been married and so thus knowing the times that they lived in, if you were a single woman, whether, whether unmarried or widowed, uh, your, your, your life gets pretty rough when your family dies. Widows in that time were not always cared for. In fact, that was one of the things that the, the, the early church had to take care of is widows in the church and how they handled because widows wouldn't work. They were kind of destined to live only on their family or their friends' uh, generosity. And so could it be that Mary and Martha, in hearing the loss of, of, of Lazarus, realized not only did they lose their brother, they lost their income. They lost their future. Things were changing and that fear, that, that uncertainty, that trepidation blinded them and it changed the way they related to Jesus because fear canceled their faith. Today I would like to tell you there's a whole lot of uncertainty in our world today. We've got school districts that are closing uh, we're really good friends with several teachers, and one of the teachers, they're, they're still, they're, their school district has closed for the rest of the year. Don't know if they'll get paid or not. Don't know how it all works out. There are businesses that are facing the economic crunch, and how will it all play out? I'm here today to tell you I understand and realize the uncertainty. I realize the fear that it's here, but can I help you today? Don't ever let your fear cancel your faith. Would you allow yourself to understand that if God has kept you thus far, God is not going to drop, drop you or leave you away? Here, here, here's what it is. Most of our fear is related to things we cannot see and things we cannot control. We fear the unknown. It paralyzes us. 
But yet the Lord comes and says, let me talk to you about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm amazed that the Lord would tell you the very definition of faith is have faith even when you cannot see it, understand it, or have knowledge when it's unknown. That's when faith jumps in. The woman with the issue of blood trembled when she approached Jesus. I'm sure there were a lot of things going through her mind. Number one, how do I have the right as a lady to touch the hem of a rabbi? How do I as a lady who is ceremonial, ceremonially unclean, how do I have the right to touch someone else? According to Moses' law, whoever she touched would then themselves be unclean. But her fear did not paralyze her faith. And she pressed and she touched the hem of his garment. Dr. Stanley Jones has a, 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 a quote, I guess. I, I mean, he, he said it. I've, I'm quoting from him. And, and even last night, as I went to bed, things running through my mind, and, and there's doubt and, and cynicism, and, and finally I had to quote to my own self. I don't know if you've ever done this, any of you that are ministers, but have you ever had to just preach to yourself? You know, because you're really good at preaching to everybody else. But then, you know, you got to sometimes preach to yourself. And last night, in the middle of the night, I just finally, I, out loud to myself, I preached to, to myself. And I, I pulled from, from this writing, this, this blurb that I have from Dr. Stanley Jones, where he says, and I quote, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are the sand in the machinery of life, but faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than I do by fear, doubt, and anxiety. For in an anxiety and worry, my being gasps for breath, for those are not my native air. But I, when, when I have faith and confidence, I breathe freely, for that is my native air. A John Hopkins University doctor said we don't know why worriers die sooner than non-worriers. But it's a fact and it's been proven. But uh, Dr. Stanley Jones said, I who am simple of mind think I know the reason. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue and brain cell and soul for, fear, for faith, not fear. God made us that way and to live by worry is to live against reality. Can I just tell someone here today, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine because the skies may turn to gray. I don't worry about the future because I know what Jesus said. And today I'm going to walk right beside him because he's the one who knows what is ahead. There are things about tomorrow that I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds my tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. And each step is getting brighter and every golden stair I climb, every burden getting lighter, the clouds, their silver line and I bet the sun is always shining and no tears will dim the eye and the ending of the rainbow where the mountains touch the sky there are so many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand 
can I just tell somebody who's worried? Can I just preach to somebody for just a moment who the uncertainty of the current reality is getting at you? Would you allow the faith that you have in Jesus Christ to begin to expand? And would you let the faith in a God that's bigger than COVID-19, bigger than corona, bigger than any disease, bigger than any pestilence, bigger than any accident that may default fall you, would you allow your faith to rise and say, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Faith does not ignore the reality. That is delusion. If you don't look at the reality and you, you know, everything's uh, rainbow and peaches and cream, that's delusion. Reality says this is where we're living. But faith says my God still is in control. Reality says things are, are, are going nuts and things are being shut down. But faith says, but God, you're still the supplier of all my needs. And you cannot allow your faith to only be when things are good. You have to be a faithful or a faith-filled person when things are not good. In fact, let me just help you out. I've said it before. Faith is not saying, I believe God can heal you. Faith is not saying, I believe God can protect you. Faith is saying, I know he can do it for you, but now that I'm in the middle of my crises, I believe you can do it for me. Last night, my wife, because like, I'm going to just be honest, my wife, she, she said we need to take pictures of, of me throughout this process of, of purchasing or possibly purchasing a building and, and all of this. She said, because I think you might go whiteheaded by the time it's done. I'll be the first to tell you there's a lot of stress and a lot of things that are, that are, that are, are there and, and to realize the weight and the burden and all of that. And last night she just leaned over and said, hey, Brandon, God's still no matter what happens, no matter what the world says, God has it. That's the reality. And that's the faith over fear. But I would be bereft today if I left it at that. One of the things that, that, that weighs on me is the, the, the job, the role of the shepherd. In October 20th, 2019, it was a Sunday, I preached a message. It begins at home. At that place, I, I said from this pulpit, we're just one possible election cycle away from, from church as we know it, perhaps being outlawed or changed. And, and, and I, I posed the question, and it has, it has just, just ran through my mind. Have I prepared my congregation enough? That you could live for God if you couldn't come to church on a regular basis? Have I prepared my family to live for God if they couldn't come to youth service? No ladies, prayer meeting. Little did I know how close we truly were to the very possibility of that happening. Can I tell you today that in light of the current reality, preaching faith as much and as big and as, as often as I can... The reality is this, what we are experiencing right now is just a small glimpse of what the future holds. 
Because Luke chapter 21 and verse 5, and now I will invite you to turn with me. I'm going to spend some time right here in the next little bit, if you'll give me some time. Jesus began to speak, or rather the, the disciples began to speak of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. I'm reading the King James, by the way, Brother uh, uh, Andy. I apologize, I didn't tell you that. And, and these things which you behold, Jesus said, the day will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another. These shall be thrown down. This was Jesus beginning to prophesy the fall of Jerusalem. Let, let me just back up and say that in the Gospels, there are actually two end times that are mentioned. The first end time is the end time of the, of the fall of Jerusalem. I believe it was 70 A.D. It's when Jew, Jerusalem was going to be overrun and fall, and, and, and the, the, the temple would be destroyed. And, 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 and so the Lord began to tell them that's the first end time. That's why he said to some of them, you will still be alive when this happens. You'll be alive when the temple falls. You'll be alive when the emperor comes and, 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 and desecrates the temple with an unclean sacrifice and laughs in the face of God. You will be there. And so there is a, a Jewish end time, if you will, that he began to talk about. And that's where we are at the moment in our verses, Luke chapter 21. They asked him, they said, Master, when will these things be? What sign will it be that these things shall come to pass? He said, well, don't be deceived. Many have come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and the time will draw near, and go ye not therefore after them. Don't follow false religion. You'll hear wars and commotions and rumors of war. Don't be terrified. These things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and earthquakes shall be in divers places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven and before all these things they'll lay their hands on you, persecute you, deliver you up to synagogues and prisons, be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn for you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you should answer. I'll give you a mouth and wisdom and all of your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. You'll be betrayed by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends. For some of you will be put to death. You'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. That's what he began to talk about those that were living in a very present reality. It didn't take long for that reality to come to pass. John the Baptist had his head lopped off. Peter and James got hauled off to prison at the same time. And then, you know, uh, uh, Stephen was martyred. Go look at all the things that Paul went through. And can I just tell you that we're no better than them. Why should God spare us from things that he told them? In fact, if you would go with me and turn to Luke uh, or to Matthew chapter 24, you would find during that time that, that the Lord says some of the same things, but it's in Luke, it's in a... Uh, Matthew 24, that he also tells us that there is another end time coming. The end time that you and I are most familiar with. In that end time, the sum of the same things that begin to play out for those Jews looking forward, and, and maybe not really looking forward, but that they, they knew it was coming in around 70 A.D. He said, these things will come to you as well. Religious deception, woes and Wars and famines and death and earthquakes and pestilence. 
that that there'll be martyrs and worldwide chaos. But in the midst of all of that, there will also be worldwide preaching. That word pestilence can be translated in a few different ways. But that word pestilence, one of the most common translations is plague. I, I, I wrestled today. I, I could, and, I, and I'm, I'm fast running out of time, but I wrestled today. I could take you into Revelation. We could spend some time looking at what's going to happen as our world completely comes to an end as prophesied in the book of Revelation. I could show you where a third of mankind, the Bible says, will die of some sort of plague. I'm not saying that this is it. Please don't anybody walk out and say, oh, pastor says a third of the world's going to die. That's not what I'm talking about. But what you are seeing right now is just planning for what God says is coming. I say that to say this. Yes, I want you to understand the reality. Yes, I want you to, to not live in fear, but operate in faith. But you also need to understand the future. You need to understand that the world in which we are living in, there are some things happening that if you'll start looking at it, through the lens of God's word and the lens of God's prophetic understanding, you will realize this is not just a happenstance circumstance. This is not just a, oh, blip in some radar. And I beg of you, I plead of you, don't lose your soul in the moment. I could tell you today, I've just I've been a pastor now for 12 years. I've been a youth pastor. I, I, I'm struggling right now because I don't want anybody to, to misunderstand what I'm going to say. I don't want anybody to think that pastor is calloused or heartless, and so I'm, I'm trying to make sure I say it, and I'll, I'll stutter until I get it right. If, if, if you're not comfortable, if, if, you're, if your immune system is weak, if you're on that, that in fact... The, the articles that we shared, there's some, some hyperlinks you can go click and it will tell you who's in the higher category of, 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 of danger, if you will. I understand if, if you need to take some time. I get that. But don't lose your soul. And those of you that aren't in that higher category, I caution you, don't let it be an excuse to say, I'm going to stay home from church because the days are getting pretty and I can go do this and have this because I've seen it far too often. People, they get out of the habit and when everything clears, they never get back into the habit. I'm talking to you as a shepherd. I realize the reality. I'm not putting anybody under a microscope. I'm not trying to guilt anybody to attend or not attend. But I'm telling you, in all of this, the Bible says, what would it profit for a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul. I just speak for Brandon Paul Buford. I'm, I'm in the category that, that seems to be I don't have a whole ton to worry about. I'm, I'm probably going to make it. Even if God forbid I get corona, I'll probably be able to, to, to be good. But it's not, I just cannot allow myself to lose my soul. So I'm asking, I'm pleading with you. Don't allow the moments, don't allow the realities, don't allow what's happening in our world to change your walk with God. Because all I can tell you is, it may not get any better. 
Corona may pass, COVID-19 may pass, but there's a whole lot, my Bible says, is still on the horizon, and now is not the time to hold back. Now is not the time to sit back and give up. Instead, I'd like to tell you, regardless of the circumstance, Lighthouse will continue to be the church. I'll obey our government. In fact, Brother brother uh, David Bernard, our, our, our general superintendent, put out a, a bulletin to all of ministers and pastors. And, and his advice, he said, he said, obey those that have rule over you. By the way, that, that's biblical, just in case you're wondering. And, and, and so, so, should somehow they, they, they say, you know what, for the next two weeks, we, we don't want anybody meeting. Our church will comply with that. I will tell you that they're doing that in the state of Louisiana, but there is some pushback. Because while they closed all the churches, they conveniently did not close the casinos. So just rest assured, should that happen, you'll hear my voice. But I will still listen. But if for some reason the doors would have to be closed, I will not stop preaching. I will not stop ministering. I will not stop shepherding. I'll preach in front of my computer and live stream it every day if I have to. I'll do whatever it takes because I cannot lose the souls of this community in the moment where we are in. Regardless of what the circumstances are, there is still a broken world that needs the church and I cannot operate from fear. I'm reminded, and again, this, this verse that I'm about to tell you is not to put any guilt, but God spoke very clearly as I read it again. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves together. But watch what it says. All the more as you see the day approaching. Could I step away from the current circumstance and tell you that according to my Bible, there's most likely going to come a time of great persecution that has nothing to do with COVID or corona. Where if you go to church, if you show up to church, you're imprisoned. You might lose your life. You say, oh, pastor, not in America. Well, you believe that, but I've talked to enough missionaries that will tell you that it's currently happening right now. We had some of our own that have walked into some access challenge nations that would tell you what it's like to have service when, when, when the government says you're not allowed to have service. When those days approach, don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves together. Now what that means is the assemblings of yourselves together may look differently than it used to look. We may not have 400 church, 400 people church buildings. We may have 400 home churches but can I just help you out and let me help let me tell you we cannot lose our souls in the moments I know what the reality is I know what the fear is but I'm operating by faith and I'm also going to look towards the future and if I can ask the question what on earth or what in the world is going on there is another question that I would like to offer to you, and that is, what in heaven is going on? Because Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, it's in that chapter of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost parable, or parable, the lost prodigal. Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 tells us what's going on in heaven. 
For there is rejoicing in heaven for one sinner who repents. Now, I'm, I'm putting heaven in human terms, but I don't want heaven to lose its joy. I don't want heaven to lose its celebration. And so regardless of what may be happening here on earth, I am determined to keep giving heaven something to rejoice about. I'll keep preaching. I'll keep teaching Bible studies. I'll keep reaching. I'll keep talking. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep operating in faith because heaven needs to rejoice. Would you stand with me today?